You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. You are about to experience Bubble and Squeak, the explicit podcast made for adults by someone who is often terribly childish. Hi, I'm Peter Santoscano, and this is Bubble and Squeak, a podcast with uncanny sounds, funny interludes, and stories most weird, many true. Okay, here's season two, episode two. Our show today comes in three parts. Part one, we travel to Australia and hear from Craig Middleton, who is querying museums and sharing the kink manifesto. Part two, we travel to the future for a virtual museum tour. And part three, we travel to my past for a sound slice. Craig Middleton is a curator in Australia. He even has a fancy job. He is the assistant manager of exhibitions at the National Museum of Australia. His research interests are in Australian social and political history, and he's especially interested in histories of LGBTIQ plus identified communities. He, along with fellow Australian Dr. Nikki Sullivan, co-authored the book Queering the Museum. Craig Middleton tells us about encounters with naked art and points out where museums can improve. You will also hear him read from the Kink Manifesto. Uh, I'm a museum curator. Heteronormativity has too long had the world in its grips, and our mission is to prize open its fingers. KINK is an acronym, K-I-N-Q, an acronym for the for, for knowledge industries need queering. This manifesto stemmed from kind of the stories that I've been telling about a lack of representation Heteronormativity, we suggest, is a hereditary disposition, a set of well-trodden paths leading to tacitly agreed objects and outcomes. The more we So I identify as queer, I'm a gay man, but what is a queer object? The amount of nudity in art is, you know, amazing. And as an adult, I appreciate it in a much different way. And it was most definitely an erotic experience as a teenager grappling with my own sexuality at the time, not having shared with friends, family, anyone that I had same-sex attraction to men, but then going into this space and seeing depictions of naked men and naked women and naked mythical creatures a particular outlet that I had never had before to have those thoughts and those feelings. So the more we uncritically follow these paths that are given to us, the more normalised they become, the more right they seem, and the more other possible paths become unimaginable. Kink needs you to make visible and denaturalise. In my early 30s, I still grew up in a suburban Australian town. When I was growing up, I didn't see representations of myself in the cultural 
products around me, the movies, the TV shows, the books I read had love interests between men and women, not men and men. And maybe I was looking for the wrong books. The only representation of gay men that I found was through TV shows like Queer as Folk. But in Australia, they were aired at 11.30pm at night. My experience of those identities was very like hidden into the night. And that's a common story. For me, when I go into museums and art galleries and, and just in the world, I'm looking for myself. So often you you read against the grain, you read against what's being presented to you and you find queerness in the world around you. And I've definitely done that. You grab onto particular glances of facial features, of limp wrists and, and all of these things, and then you create an opportunity to see yourself. And I, and I definitely have done that growing up, and I, you have to do that when you enter a space like a museum or a gallery, because often those experiences are so hidden or not explicitly talked about, even if they're there. It's not just about but what is a queer representation object? and inclusion. It's about moving beyond the structures of power and privilege, thinking about museums in a different way that doesn't just include othered others, but opens up museum ideas like display, interpretation. We invited ten LGBTIQ identified individuals who lived in the city of Adelaide and we asked them to look through our collections to find something that related to experiences might have been theirs might have been other people's experiences of gender and or sexuality one person Richard Boyle who is a local textile artist he was you know really interested in in fashion and textiles so he looked through our fashion collection he found a wedding dress that he was particularly fascinated by because it was from the 1950s. It was purple in colour. And it wasn't a traditional wedding dress. You know, 1950s, post-war, people couldn't afford big glamorous dresses. So they were cut off at the knee and they were very structured. But it was purple. In his research, he also found something else in our costume collection, which was a beard from a, a child's costume. And Richard wanted to display them together on the same mannequin. He wrote this beautiful piece which explained the concept of a lavender marriage. A lavender marriage is a marriage of convenience between a man and a woman. Largely, the man was homosexual. Sometimes the woman was too. This marriage was to conceal sexual identity. And so the woman in this marriage was referred to as a beard. What that display did was open up the possibilities of exploring concepts very specific to queer lives without suggesting that those objects belonged to people who participated in a lavender marriage. But it, but you can imagine if, if someone who did participate in a lavender marriage walked into that exhibition space and saw that, then their story would have been what represented. Is a queer object? Is a queer object only something that was used in a, in a march? For LGBT plus rights? Is it, is it something that was created by a queer person or is it something different? And I think I'd advocate that it's all of those things and it's more. And through putting particular objects together that might not ordinarily be put together, 
and through the you know application of text or video or story you can actually draw out all these other stories from particular objects but what is a queer object Welcome to this virtual tour. Very excited to see you. I'm docent here named Yuri. And now we are just waiting for other people to arrive. You know how it is. But uh, before we begin, I'll tell you a little history about virtual museum tours, which of course now that's pretty much the only way people see museums. But there was a time that uh, people went physically to the museum. And it was about a little more than 100 years ago when something happened. It was a pandemic, uh, 2019, 2020. I don't remember the year. That's not true. It was 2020. Pandemic. And this pandemic shut things down for the first time. And that is when the virtual tours began. They were not very good to begin with. Okay, everyone, welcome here to the museum of climate change history. I will give you a tour of the museum pointing out in particular the history of queer climate action figures. Because I am queer myself, this is my interest, this is what I showed you, this is what you signed up for. Now, the museum, we are about to celebrate our 100th anniversary next year. The museum was founded in 2035, thanks to a very generous endowment from ExxonMobil Renewables. Well, it was actually a little bit more of a legal settlement, but here we are at the museum. It's wonderful. Museum is physically located in Svalbard. I am not in Svalbard. I've been digitally inserted in the museum. We will begin our tour, and we begin in the gallery of lost museum art. Well, the art is not lost. The museum is because of climate change, so they put it here.
Let me set the scene for you. It's December 2020. I'm in Lake Huntington, New York, in the New York State Catskill Mountains. It's the town where I grew up. I'm walking around the building, in fact, where I lived much of my life. A building that was once known as Pete's Pub, the bar and restaurant my parents, Pete and Anita Toscano, ran for 35 years. It snowed a lot. In fact, more snow than they've gotten in some time. So I'm in this weird in-between time, walking and hearing this sound from my childhood, feeling the snow beneath my feet. And as I walk, I'm hearing this beeping, obnoxious beeping noise that's coming from a beef farm across the lake. And I hear the crows. But mostly what I'm listening to is the snow. week is written and produced by me, Peter Santoscano. I mostly make this show for me, oh, and for my friend Carla, who always has a great museum suggestion. The Bubbling Squeak theme song is Worthless by the Jelly Rocks from the Bang & Whimper album. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. You also heard Milk the Lightning and Bleachers by Eleventy-Seven on the new Betamosh album. Back to the Green Hall by Erlin Field and Follow Me Wild Horses by Caspi. To find more great music and new podcasts, visit rockcandyrecordings.com. Many thanks to our guest, Craig Middleton. He co-authored the book, Queering the Museum. It's published by Rutledge. Follow Craig on Twitter, at underscore museum guy. That's at underscore museum guy. Feel free to say hi to me on Twitter, at P2Son, the letter P, the number two, S-O-N. Oh, and thanks for listening. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com. You know, a criticism that I have of museums is that sex is in no explicit way discussed. But it's a huge part of not everyone's life, but a lot of people's lives.